Welcome to episode 147 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the number one international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. I want to invite you to join me at a huge afterlife event. September 15th through 17th in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute will be featuring 30 speakers, including myself, on topics related to the afterlife. I would love to meet you in person, and I promise that you will leave that event not only convinced of the afterlife, but having new tools to communicate with your loved ones that are in the hereafter. You'll gain guidance on living a great life now. If you're experiencing grief, you will experience some great relief and tools to move you through the grief, and so much more. So I invite you to go to afterlifestudies.org to find out more and register. Now, on to our show. Jacob Cooper is a licensed master social worker and is employed as a mental health counselor. However, a near-death experience at the age of five connected him with the spirit realm, and he has been in touch ever since. Jacob is also a Reiki master teacher. He is a guest lecturer within Long Island libraries, universities, and other learning centers, and runs mindfulness workshops at Touro College of Osteopathic Medicine and Adelphi University. Jacob is also a published writer who is currently in the process of writing his own book, entailing his own near-death experiences and many other themes. And there's so much more to Jacob, but I'll let him tell you in his own words. His website is jacobstory.com. Jacob Cooper, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Absolutely. What an honor. Thank you so much for the introduction and also a hypnotherapist uh, as well. So uh, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry, I missed that in the introduction. Yeah. You're a man of many things. And uh, Hip- hypno- No, no, I know that was my job <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Well, we can get into that and more. So where are you coming from this morning? We're recording this on a on a nice spring morning. You are in New York? Yes, right now I'm in New York. And, you know, I know we've been talking about the show for a while. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to, to be speaking with you. It's such an honor, Sandra. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm thrilled, too. We're Facebook friends, and it's time that we, we do this. So I'm excited. So let's hear your story, Jake. I don't know exactly where we start, because I know it starts at a very young age. Um, yeah, tell us. Absolutely. And I know that you mentioned that I speak for Long Island Metaphysical Centers and Libraries, but ironically, my first speaking event happened about a year ago today uh, at the Eyes of Learning Center, which is in Levittown, Long Island. And that's the town where I had my near-death experience about 20 years prior to. So I was on the podium 20 years later talking about in the same exact town where I had the experience. So it's quite synchronistic. That's incredible. uh, yeah, yeah, and I've been running ever since. Wow. But um, you know, my my experience was, you know, very much full-blown and something that I had to live with my whole life and couldn't really uh, you know, fathom into words and didn't really uh see a diagnosis as a new death experience. Um it wasn't until I read a couple of books by authors like Betty Eighty, even Alexander that gave me at the age of 18 uh, you know, a real diagnosis to near-death experience. I thought it was something that everyone happened and I couldn't really label it because it was so 
uh, fascinating and I couldn't put it into words when you cross over. But, you know, as we get older, the body really catches up with the soul and, you know, the, the instrument is able to uh, vocalize a lot of uh, what's unseen or what's difficult to describe in our limited uh, lexicon. But, right. um, you know, when, you know, when I was five years old, I, uh, had something that was called whipping cough, which was an endless cough that just wouldn't stop. Uh, you know, and since, you know, I've been a kid, thank God I've been uh, vaccinated. But at the time I didn't, there wasn't any vaccinations. At least I didn't get any. Uh, and so, you know, this is around 1995 and I was, you know, just playing in a park in Levittown, Long Island with. You know, good, very good family friends. And, uh, you know, in the car ride, I was having a very difficult time breathing. And all this I take you back to, I remember it just like yesterday, uh, you know, saying that would never leave me. Um, and, you know, in the car ride, I had a very difficult time breathing. And all of a sudden, I felt a vortex like sensation, almost like this un- unseen force that was just sucking my soul in, almost like a vacuum you know, that I just couldn't fight. But um, human understanding thinks that it knows better. And uh, for me, I I thought that I knew a lot more, you know, than what my soul knew, which was that something something crazy was about to happen. Mm -hmm. But as I got out of the car ride, uh, I ran out about a thousand miles an hour just to go uh, in the slide. I was in avoidance and denial of, uh, you know, what I really know was bound to happen. And all of a sudden, as I'm climbing up the, the slide, I began to try to breathe in air and literally uh, nothing came about it, you know, oh. I, and, you know, that's the scariest place to be in because as human beings, we're so used to uh, the breath as something that we don't even think about, you know, we don't even, we're not even consciously aware of the breath. And I think those in the metaphysical and spiritual uh, industry are a lot more aware of the power of the breath and how that really relates to our rhythm and ability to really I get into the deeper uh, brainwave states of relaxation. But, right. uh, you know, at the time, you know, the the breath was for granted. And uh, you know, so right now I spend a lifetime on teaching people about the value of the breath, ironically, from that experience. Sure. But, um, you know, I was suffocating as I was at the top of the slide. And then all of a sudden, you know, almost as if you go to a power breaker in a house and you shut off everything, uh, that's exactly what was happening to my body. Every single thing was shutting down one at a time, and I was, you know, I felt like I was dying inside. And all of a sudden, that vortex point was getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and was sucking me in. And then all of a sudden, I was put, um, I was located almost like a third person looking down, and I was seeing my brain. And all of a sudden, I was able at five years old to really fully recognize all the different uh, components and. Uh, aspects of the of the human brain and i was able to really understand it almost as if it you know you know you're looking at your right or left hand it was so clear to me and it told me about the 85 percent that we always talk about that's that's not really used within our brains uh, and that's our you know spiritual unseen self mm-hmm. uh, that really ha- that really is all knowing uh but is limited by the left analytical brain but all of a sudden as i was in my brain uh, you know, it began to become deprived by oxygen, much like the rest of my body. And then literally it just snapped in half, you know, like, you know, you could hear like, like some, like you pull out a plug out of a, out of a wall and it just, just, you know, just cracked in half almost. And then all of a sudden that force that was in the corner of my eye in the car ride, 
was taking me on a journey within, and I was going about a thousand miles an hour upwards and upwards and upwards through this darkness. And you know, eventually, I began to go into the light. Um, and after that, I was I saw myself, you know, third person going down the slides. The slide, I'm sorry, and that's where I really encountered my two spiritual guides who were right next to me. And these guides were beings that I've known all my life. And at the time, I was cracking up at it because I couldn't believe how I forgot about what they looked like or who they were. And they were just huge, beautiful, angelic beings. I couldn't, it's very hard to describe how beautiful your spiritual guides are, but they're people who you really chart your life with and are there with you since day one in the takeoff period where you're planning and charting your whole life and uh, usually they're people who you've known before, but sometimes, you know, they're just people who you've become friendly with on the other side uh, who have gravitated towards your energy. Uh, but anywho, as as I was, you know, going down the side, I was going about a thousand miles upwards, 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 upwards. You know, so what, what you have on the other side is a vibrational frequency that is a lot higher pitched uh, than the earth plane. And what I found fascinating about the other side is that there's no limitations to how good you could feel. Uh, you could feel, you know, I think we put a limitation on ourselves before we do something and because we compare it from a prior experience. Like when we'll go to, you know, a Chinese restaurant, if we enjoyed it, we'll compare it to another place. You know, so, you know everything kind of right. has a limit from our own, um, you know, preconceived thoughts. But the other side, once your brain is taken out of the equation, your analytical brain, you're more into the experiential realm and you're able to really experience it but you know we always talk endlessly about vibrational frequencies and that's very evident you're going about a thousand miles an hour uh you know vibrating at some insane speed when you're there but um you know then i open up my eyes and all of a sudden i was able to have what's called christ consciousness where i was able to hear the voice of christ you know on the other side very loud and very clear you know and it's very familiar energy it's almost like you know a father-like energy on the other side and it took me in, and then I looked at the back right side of my head, and I saw, you know, what, what was to me was like a massive, massive palace. It was just gold and beautiful, and I knew that to be like the divine's, you know, palace. And it was so uh, unbelievably spiritual and and high that I just couldn't look at it. It was just too much for me to look at. It was too much of a high. It's almost as if, you know, you're getting those goosebumps, you know, and the goosebumps just never end. And, you know, you try to look at it, but it's too much. Wow. And all of a sudden, uh, I looked into my vision, and then I saw, you know, hundreds and thousands of, you know, cherub-like angels, much like you see uh, in Christian art at the top of ceilings, just floating up and down very, very peacefully. And they were in a brown-goldish-like color. Uh, and they were just floating down ever so peacefully, and I could see them right in front of me, all over the place. Wow. Uh, and they, I, they were it was endless angels right in front of me. And uh, what I saw was that my body was at the bottom of the slide, and then the people that I went the slide with uh, were surrounding me in a circle. And then all of a sudden, I was able to look at some of the people who were surrounding me, and then I was able to see their auras and their spiritual guides and their futures. Uh, and my and my brother was with me at the time, and I was able to see that he was becoming he was going to become a doctor, which he's pursuing right now. And he actually got whooping cough shortly after me, and he was right next to me in the hospital bed. Uh, but anywho, as I was looking at some of the people, there was you know a guy who I thought was kind of uh, earthly, a very grounded. But what I saw with him was a beautiful spiritual, uh, endless uh, endless wealth that he had attached to him. 
And, you know, what I learned from that was that, you know, everything and everyone is spiritual. I think we designate uh, a couple people for being spiritual, but spiritual is like breathing in oxygen, you know, on the earth plane. It, everyone has it. It's our essence. And I think, you know, certain belief systems or thoughts or feelings uh, create, you know, people to be designated as spiritual. But I think, you know, the people that we define as spiritual, those who don't have amnesia and don't forget uh, where they came from. Uh, but, you know, immediately after seeing hundreds of thousands of, of angels, I was able to see what they really do, which is really send, you know, energy, and they go up and down. And, you know, much like Reiki masters or healers, you know, we really, uh, you know, we, 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 we do a lot of what angels do in a sense, that we send energy from our hands, you know, and that's what the angels were all doing. Wow. And in the background, I was able to see a lot of archangels, but I really... They were just almost too intimidating and big for me to see. They were just these giant, like, you know, beings. And, you know, this, the, the other side from what I saw was really, you know, the only thing separating me from it was, was my brain. You know, once my brain shut down, everything opened. So, you know, that's, that, that tells you a lot about the brain as, as, a, as a filter in the, in, in the between worlds. And, you know, some people are a lot more spiritual because, you know, the brains are a lot more open and other people... You know, they get too involved in the left hemispheres of their brains, and they get very separated. Yes. Um, you know, and I think they're, they're saying that you know, technology, and it's from Shirley MacLaine's book, Out in the Limb, who has the same birthday as I do, but mm-hmm. there's a saying called, uh, that technology with God is indestructive, and technology without, you know, using God is destructive. So technology, meaning the higher God intelligence, and walking in parallel, you know, with God, you know, meaning our brains, you know, that's when we're doing well, but once we try to you know, be too human or try to, you know, compete God with our infrastructure and our buildings and stuff like that, that's when, you know, we become to get destructive. So just to, you know, from what I knew was the brain was a great ally, and you know, for the in-between worlds. But immediately, you know, after that, I was drawn to my spiritual family, my soul family, and I, I looked at them instantaneously, and I knew every single one of them, and they were surrounding me along with my spiritual guides and all the angels. And uh, I was quite embarrassed to see them because, you know, immediately upon seeing them, I saw a lot of students that I that I taught uh, in my previous lifetime, and I saw that I was kind of like the hubris in that previous lifetime in a sense that I had, you know, great power, but uh, I took my own life in a sense, and I, you know, I saw that I committed this lifetime to teaching others, um, you know, about the value of the light at the end of the tunnel, and, you know, I asked my spiritual family, what's going to happen? And they said, what do you want to happen? And I said, well, what's going to come out of this lifetime? And all of a sudden I saw hundreds of photographs of what would happen within this lifetime. And then immediately I saw that I was speaking in front of a big crowd. And, you know, many people, I saw that their vibrations were really increasing. And I saw the looks in the eyes of people. And I said, you know, heaven is beautiful and grand and it's, it's indescribable, but you know, nothing beats this work. And I said, you know what, I'm going to devote a lifetime to this work, to healing, to sharing, to clarifying a lot of questions that people have on the hereafter to create more of a parallel between heaven and earth, you know, that, that's less, that's less separated and a lot closer within this mm-hmm. paradigm, you know. And then from that, I was able to see a lot of lifetimes, you know, one of which was in Atlantis and out west. And uh, a lot of that, I was able to really look at what's called the Akashic Records, where um, I was able to go into a hall and see a lot of pe- previous lifetimes that I lived in. Uh, you know, after that, um, you know, it's quite embarrassing to see my soul family because, you know, what I learned from your soul family, it's uh, almost like a ray of God that you're with. And, and it's people who come in 
to this lifetime with similar missions and similar personalities, and you constantly incarnate and reincarnate with the similar flavor array of God that you're with. Uh, but it was kind of embarrassing because you know, before coming into this lifetime, you know, there's a soul urge to carnate, and you discuss it with them and your team and your guides and the archangels, um, the other spiritual, uh, you know, governing forces. And uh, it's almost like you're, you know, you're deciding to go to college and you have this big plan. And then at five years old, I was, I felt like a coward in the sense that I was, you know, clinging to mom's leg, you know, before going to preschool. I just got here, <laughs> so it was kind of embarrassing, you know. And and when I saw them, it was you know, kind of tough because of what happened in the previous lifetime, you know, and when you cross over the other side, you know, you're very much with your soul family. And that's who you're kind of with. It's almost like, you know, it's like a womb that you're with and it's, it's people there that you're, you know, a part of. And, you know, I learned a lot from soul families in this lifetime as uh, my aunt, who was, you know, kind of like a spiritual guide on her deathbed. She said that if you ever look at a picture of a family, you know, if you look at the eyes of people, everyone has kind of like a similar type look. They may not look physically the same, but you look at them energetically from a different uh, point of view, they're all connected. And then a year later, I was talking to an intuitive and she said, you know, connecting to your aunt, she keeps on telling me the word picture. Does mm -hmm. that mean anything to you? And from that, I, she was speaking to me that, you know, your soul family, your spiritual family is your essence. It's really who you come from and go to, how you, you know, and they're forever a part of you. There are many people who join that team, uh, but it's pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, uh, after saying that I would stay, everyone just vanished. And the last thing that I was left with was constant doubt and fear because I saw this great image, but I didn't think it was going to happen. And I asked my guides and my team, how is this going to happen? And they said, it's destiny. Just watch your thoughts because your thoughts could sway you. You know, there are many ways, the highways that steer you in this lifetime and just trust the process. And immediately I was... I opened up my eyes and I was on a bed and I was expecting, you know, kind of like a red carpet treatment because I was just in God's majesty and I was just mm -hmm. on the other side. I was in the palace and, you know, I woke up on a hospital bed with the man who was trying to shove pills down my mouth. And actually at five years old, I woke up screaming. I was a mess. I kicked my doctor in the leg. I was running around mm -hmm. the room. My mom could attest to it because, you know, it was just so frustrating, um, that I had this experience and I couldn't really put it into words. You know, I wish I could have. And then I saw that my mother was really screaming and you know, was really crying in the corner of the room when I woke up. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to shake everyone in the room to describe what happened. But I almost felt like I had autism in a sense that I couldn't describe what I had. And, you know, years later, I, uh, throughout my lifetime, I committed my life to helping kids on the spectrum. And I think for me, it, it taught me, you know, I really got a sense of what they go through. It's like you're, a lot of these kids are very spiritually in tune and uh, they're in touch with a lot of great unforeseeable forces. But, uh, you know, the brain and body aren't necessarily matched up with one another. And, you know, many times they get very frustrated because they can't uh, really describe what they're experiencing. And for a moment, I really had a taste of what that was like. Uh, but, you know, after that, I, I was a lot different as a five-year-old kid. Uh, you know, my life forever changed and... I, I committed to a lifetime when ready of, of sharing and teaching uh, that there's nothing to fear when we die. And it's a familiar experience that we've lived many lives and we've died many deaths. And, you know, I think a lot of it is getting out from the art of forgetfulness and it's a stepping into, uh, you know, a real truth or deja vu-like feeling that we really have in store.
Mm, Jake, um, it's interesting because as you say this, you know, you had a brain of a five-year-old and then when you had your near-death experience and you moved on to hereafter eternity, you're reconnected with your soul who's totally wise and then you go back into the brain of a five-year-old and... Um, can I just ask you, these experiences, that experience that you had, do you still remember it with clarity? Absolutely. It, it, you know, when I, when I say that I speak of it and plenty, you know, I spoke before in psychics, I've been in the crowd and they say, you know, mm-hmm. that you're experiencing that while you're talking, I could see your energy, you're there, you know, while you're talking. And, you know, for me, it, it's never left me. It's a thing that I think about on a constant day-to-day basis. Um, that that's one thing I just think is so cool, and many people that have had the near death experiences say the exact same thing. It's clearer than like any other memory you have as a human being. It's it's yeah, yeah. and so you get thankfully as you grow up, you still have that live and clear in your mind and you're able to make sense of it and then start having language for what it was and then be able to you know, dedicate your life to now sharing it and helping others. Amazing. It's amazing. I, you know, you, you could take me on a hypnotic age aggression and I probably wouldn't remember, you know, anything from five years old like I do to this moment. So right. uh, it's amazing what the brain could hold on to. Like, I, I don't remember a thing. Most people don't from when they're five years old. No. You have such a powerful experience. It just tells you the power of the human mind and what that experience can do for you and you know I, I know that this is something that i'll hold on to uh for my whole life you know it, it was quite traumatic to say the least i mean suffocating is one of the most traumatic experiences that you can have because we're social beings we're spiritual sure. beings we're used to being interconnected and when you're uh suffocating that takes you into a veil of separation which is really quite contrary to what uh we were exposed to and what we're wired as uh, so it, it was it was very difficult, uh, but you know what what comforted me was all those around me, all those guiding forces around me, and the fact that the matter is is that uh, it was very very deja vu. Like you know, it feels like just yesterday uh, that I died before that, and died before that, and you know, it's 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 very funny when you cross over. It's something that you know instantaneously what it, what happens, where to go, what to do. It's it's fascinating. Mm, and um, you've been there before. And I'm really been there many times. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm interested too, what you say about your soul family. Are these people that live or can they be people that live in your daily life with you? Like your regular family and friends. Is that what you're saying well, that we, the, the soul family that I connected to was a lot of deceased family members okay. that I had. Um, and an, an extension of that, there are also people who, played a close role within many lifetimes that I had. You know, as I mentioned before, uh, when I wasn't sure of what to do, I saw the faces of students and I saw how I kind of let them down in a way with, you know, taking my own life while I was their teacher mm-hmm. uh, my, in my previous lifetime. But I, but every face that I saw of the student, I saw how uh, profound of a connection that I had with every one of them. And uh, for me, you know, you could you could create a soul family too within the people that you impact and people that you're connected to within every lifetime, and they add to the team. But you know, your inner core is you know, really you know, family. People that you come in with, come out, come out with, and they play different roles. They wear different hats, and uh, it's it's a great symphony of uh, 
orchestrating different roles, uh, you know, within uh, the journey of uh, life. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. I think of some of the business I've worked at, and we'd go to these team building workshops, and that you know we stick together with the same team, and then we you know get to experience different things and just build upon those experiences, um, staying connected. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that I was experiencing this uh, from a from a soul level. Not you know, people ask me, "Were you this five year old?" Were you the soul? And, you know, I have to say I was a bit of both. You know, the scared part of me was that five-year-old mm-hmm. child, but uh, the higher self was the wiser self. You know, that was the soul. And, uh, you know, it was kind of an allegory for what I had to experience coming back from it in life is, you know, I took the pill and I was much different. I wasn't of my age in many regards. And I always had to look at life from a different lens and a different scent. You know, for instance, people around me would go to college and have a major and just do it kind of like a robotic Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanical you know, type conveyor belt like sensation for me when I, you know, went into college, I, I looked at it from a higher divine purpose. And, you know, I, I, I knew that there are people around me guiding me to this. And, you know, it wasn't so uh, mechanical like I was just this one thing, you know, it was unlimited what you could be. And it came from a lot higher of a calling versus just, uh, you know, kind of like people just trying to survive or, or pay bills. It was, it was higher. Um, you know, but wherever I had, I, I always had that rebel inside of me with with my age group that that knew more or, or saw different, and that was it was challenging uh, to have. But uh, you know, after that experience, my brain totally was much different. I was able to look and see things like you know any of the great psychics out there today, and on a regular basis, I was able to go into the tunnel, you know, while you know, while in school. Uh, and one day I wasn't allowed to go because two armed guards on the other side stopped me from crossing over. And I think the message was, you know, I'm here to live uh, a human existence and all that stuff is waiting for me. But, you know, part of this is being a hybrid like being uh, where you have both. Uh, and I was just in that comfort zone. So the hard part was doing the human part. And I had to learn how to, you know, almost forget, you know, some of the stuff or how to do some of the stuff. And I had to learn how to be grounded and retrain my brain. Uh, because I was getting horrible grades. I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. Really? I was seeing psychologists from a very young age because I couldn't focus. Um, and because my brain was totally differently wired, it snapped in half, and, you know, everything was much different about it. And I was a lot more right brain than left brain. But I was able to teach myself how to be a lot more analytical. And I think school helped me with that. You know, I had some great teachers who really, you know, showed me how to, it kind of forced me by default to use my left brain. So, uh, you know, I think school in many ways because it allowed me to make this lifetime a lot easier. It kind of forced me to be uh, in between. And now I'm trying to get back to the, that other way, which is, you know, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And what did you go to school for, college for? Now, I went to school for social work. I got my bachelor's in social work and I got my master's as well. Uh, so, you know, again, it was a lot higher of a calling and right now I work full time as a mental health counselor and, uh, people ask me if there's, uh, stuff from my near death experience that incorporate into work. And, you know, as, as a social worker, you have the license to kind of protect, but, you know, inwardly when I see people kind of struggling and going through what they're going through, you know, I recognize why people do that. It's, you know, that the fact that you lose a lot of sight of, of what happens at the light at the, at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I think, 
know, people just experience one thing and that's all they see. But, you know, from really crossing over and understand the allegory of the other side, I understand that whatever you go through on the outside, the light is always within and there's always hope. There's always uh, what you see today could change tomorrow and this too shall pass. And I think the more and more that people connect to the light, they're able to shine it towards the outer darkness. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think as spiritual beings, we have to live in that kind of, uh, viewpoint where, where, you know, wherever we are today could always change and you have to really believe in your own light. And that was my test, you know, as a kid, as I had this experience and I asked at every stage of my life, where's the crowd, where's the crowd, where's the crowd? But, uh, when, when you're patient, it will come. And, uh, you know, you know, one day I was at a yoga class when I was about 18 years old and a woman came up to me and I didn't speak a word to her. And she was definitely an earth angel, and she was able to read a lot of things. And she said, you know, I see a very big crowd behind you. You're going to be a healer one day. And that just reminded me of the mission and the promise that I told the other side. So I think everyone has uh, a soul path. Everyone has, um, you know, things to do within this lifetime. And I think the more and more that you connect to yourself, uh, to that light, uh, the clearer it is, enable that you're able to transcend time, you know, and from crossing over, I understood that past, present, and future are all basically one, and, you know, time is a big misconception, so I think people have to step into now and step into themselves, and it'll be very easy to connect to uh, what they're here to do for, and what they've already done, you just have to experience it. That's pretty cool. And I really want to pat you on the back for making your life about service and making a difference with others, not just people that have had near-death experiences, but right. many of the people yeah. I've, I've talked to and even the things that I've read and even a truth within myself is the uh, biggest thing here on planet Earth is to be of service to other people and for you yeah. to do that and then continue to do that. So did you get into Reiki first or hypnosis first? Because it sounds like you um, continued to be, a, you're continuing on being a lifelong learner. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> it, it, it never dies. I think that's all of our science, mm-hmm. you know. I think uh, it's, it's all about progress. I mean, progress is the greatest high that you can take and not success. Um, yeah, that's a good you know, think, slogan. You know, I think when, when, once you have success, you get stagnant. Once you have progress, it's an addiction. But I'm always learning to learn and to expand upon what I, what I could provide. But when I got into Reiki, um, you know, a couple of years ago uh, in my early 20s, and uh, Reiki really helped me because, I, you know, from this I battled with a lot of anxiety all my life, you know, because, um, you know, I had, I, I, I suppose from this I had a lot of PTSD and uh, I had a lot of panic attacks from that experience because, you know, the breath that I had was was taken away from me and I, and I, and I always had a fear that that would happen again. Uh, so I got very immersed in yoga and Reiki and it really helped me to, to relax in profound deep ways. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of, uh, Reiki self healings and I give talks on Reiki you know, as a Reiki master. And when I'm called to, I do a healing, uh, mm-hmm. but it just allowed me to understand that there's so much more unforeseeable healing forces out there that, uh, plenty of people don't resort to. And, you know, I think plenty of people go to psychiatrists and they you know, use medication. There's a certain value to that, but you know, there's also a value to really using a lot of these ancient healing techniques. You know, and Reiki is certainly one of them that I incorporate. And you know, followed this was hypnosis. I mean, to me, I was inspired, you know, by hypnosis by people like Dr. Brian Weiss and you know yes. the kid I grew up with, you know, Sylvia Brown books, and I saw the incredible healing aspects that happened from her past life regressions and Brian Weiss's past life regressions. And, you know, it can really take, you know, 
uh, healing about a thousand times faster within a regression than any form of, you know, treatment. But, uh, you know, there's a value at every treatment. But to me, hypnosis is the last step, last stop on the train that people go to once they've tried everything. And, uh, you know, I was fascinated because as a kid, I was traumatized by my own suicide that happened within my last lifetime. And I would, you know, be playing baseball. And it would just happen to be, it would just happen to be within, you know, my awareness that that's happened. And, you know, many times when I was taking out of the left part of the brain, all this stuff would open up. So you know, I had a past life regression a couple of years ago that really inspired me that was able to allow me to open up to a lot of what happened. It's a form, a lot of healing from it. And I've been hooked ever since. So, uh, you know, I do hypnosis within groups and uh, I do hypnosis for, you know, those who are coming for different reasons. And it's really a way for people to, you know, match the subconscious and conscious minds. You know, you, you know, a lot of people have goals in mind. They have, you know, aspects that they want to tap into, but there's some, for some reason, they're held back. And hypnosis really allows you to look into what are those reasons that are holding you back and how to find more of a parallel between your goals and your actions uh, so that people can really see, believe, and reach the, the goals that they're trying to achieve. Uh, so uh, it's fascinating, and it's a way to really rewire uh, a lot of the subconscious and conscious minds. So, uh, you know, I do a lot of group work and I'm doing a presentation next Monday at Adelphi University. It's called uh, Hypnosis for Ac- Academic Success. And uh, I'm really excited to, to, to run that program. But, uh, you know, it all kind of just tied together and it's, it's growing day by day. So it's great. Yeah, a couple things come to mind. Uh, one is um, there's a woman I saw a TED talk by her, Jill Bolt Taylor, I think is her name. I don't know if right. you know her, her story, but we, when we were talking about the left brain and the right brain and you know, the left brain being the more analytical side, is she actually, um, I don't exactly know if she had a stroke or what happened, but her left side of her brain uh, filled with blood. And the only thing that was available to her was the right brain and she got connected with uh, eternity she got connected with seeing how we're all connected um, and it's just mm-hmm. I'll I'll connect that to this episode just if people want to see that really amazing and she was somebody who was very very analytical before mm-hmm. um, anyway so that, that just came to mind so I thought I'd share that could you share just a little bit what Reiki is because not everybody knows what that is and uh, how it ties in uh, to being spiritual and, um, you know, has deepened your connection with uh, what you're up to. Yeah, no, Reiki was started really, um, you know, I think healing in general was really, to me, started by the Atlanteans, uh, you know, the Bermuda Triangle, to me, that's where it really started, but it was resurfaced in the modern day world by Dr. Mikao Usui, who really, uh, you know, immersed himself in Reiki, you know, he was a doctor and he, uh, you know, formed a clinic, you know, he had a big awakening where he was able to see a lot of the symbols of Reiki. And, you know, Reiki is, me- is very much about, you know, symbols. And once you have Reiki, you have Reiki 1, Reiki 2, AR team become a Reiki master. But Dr. Sui was someone who had an awakening. Uh, and he was able to, you know, teach, you know, about, you know, you know, about one or two people. The first person, I think the second person they talked was a woman by the name of uh, Miss Takata, and she brought Reiki uh, into America. But uh, Dr. Asui formed the Asui Clinic, I believe. Uh, and you know, plenty of people experienced his healings, and people who were having a difficult time walking or people who were very stressful, you know, experienced uh, Reiki at its finest. And 
they, uh, they were attuned to the symbols that he experienced in his awakening that came to him, you know, in the mountain like bubbles. You know, he had like a 21 day meditation, I believe. And during that meditation, he was able to see all the, you know, symbols that came to him from the universe. And uh, Reiki since then has taken off, you know, America, a man by the name of William Rand really, you know, was a backbone of it. He, I think his teacher was tuned, tuned by, you know, a, a descendant of uh, Dr. Sui. Uh, but, you know, in America, it's huge today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, you know, tuning into your, uh, you know, subtle healing uh, energetic forces, uh, you know, they're there within your, uh, you, know, you know, spiritual bodies and, you know, the practitioner really incorporating a lot of the symbols to really get you to, to tune into that and get, get rid of a lot of uh, stagnant energy and it's a really great way to balance your energy mm. um you know for me reiki has been great and i do it within you know, a lot of my workshops and you know people come in who are meant to do you know for healings and you know it's 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 phenomenal uh but it all happened from a tremendous awakening that dr sui experienced so i really thank him for bringing him back you know bringing back ancient form of healing that was really used you know in atlantis and brought back uh to the world uh, but, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, once you get into the right brain, you become a lot more altruistic and mm-hmm. you're able to see a lot more outside of yourself. Um, a couple of years ago when I was about 18 years old, uh, I just woke up, um, with an experience where I was looking down at my body and I had a powerful OBE out of body experience instead of NDE and, uh, less about three weeks within that experience. Uh, my third eye was circling about a thousand miles an hour and it was very, wet and uh moist and i when i was walking i was literally floating in the air uh and it was just quite a profound experience and i could feel every energy point going crazy and then uh it was a september morning uh ironically my near-death experience happened in september so to me september is always mm-hmm. a powerful month of new transformations and new beginnings but uh i was in a synagogue and at the time I was just sitting in a chair and all of a sudden I could feel my energetic forces just spiraling and vibrating very fast and going upwards, upwards, upwards. And immediately I was able to feel my spiritual animal, which was an eagle at the time. And I flew around the room on an eagle and I wasn't on anything. It was quite a powerful experience. And all of a sudden I was back in my body. And then I saw that there was one strand of energy connecting the whole room. uh, And it was fascinating. You know, so for me, I think once you're able to, uh, I want to recommend people having out of expo- out of body experience on a regular basis, but it could be, you know, when it's when it's uh, I guess when it's when it's a value and when it's important, people have them. But it taught me that you know I read in books we're all one, we're all one phyla, one energy. But uh, to experience it was a whole different you know situation. So for me, I was really fascinated by that because there's so much more within our own toolbox that we don't access, uh, and you know Reiki was really. A calling card for me to allow people to uh, experience the unseen forces and the unseen wealth of great information and great sensations and to get, to take people out of the limited to the unlimited. It, it's amazing, Jake, just hearing you. I remember um, years ago, even before I got on my near-death or my life after death investigation, somebody had treated me to a day at the spa and one of the treatments was Reiki. And I thought, I don't know yeah. what this is, but why not, right? I'm open. And so as I was lying on the table with my eyes closed, uh, what I felt was somebody just applying a huge amount of heat to my belly. And it was, mm. it was way, it was way too hot. And I opened my eyes to tell this woman to 
turn it down, whatever it was. And what I witnessed was just her hands about eight to 10 inches above me. And I thought Ooh. in that moment, like there's more to life than meets the eye. Cause how could she have done that? What yeah. is she channeling? And it had me start learning about what Reiki is and the healing properties. And there was something moving through her that uh, oh. my brain could not explain. Yeah. 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 You know, it sounds like a lot of it was a big Kundalini uh, experience, but uh, you know, we have sayings within the English language that someone has a fire in the belly. I mean, mm-hmm. where does that come from? That's really, you know, once your energy is balanced and you're able to feel that fire energy. And I had almost this hose of fire that was going off three weeks within my stomach. And you also have a saying that someone is hot headed or cool headed. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Yeah. You know, so I have cold feet. Where does that come from? So yes. a lot of this is ele- elemental uh, euphemisms that speak to really our energetic forces. So I think it's about, you know, finding the fire in the belly, uh, having a cool head and really attuning to all of your elements. Uh, so where you're really are, are balanced. It's that simple. Right. Well, it sounds perfect for the journey I then went on, you know, with everything yeah. I'm up to now. Yeah. But I love hearing yeah. about the hypnosis. I love hearing about even the out-of-body experiences. When we start having some of these experiences that can't really be explained very well with our brain and what we think is real, it, it just, you can't help but think, you know, what else is possible? So right. how about you talk about mindfulness in the workshops that you uh, lead. I always um, enjoy when a guest will share some maybe tips and tricks to help us with our life right now, but I would love to hear more because it, it just, from what you had said earlier, you're whooping cough as a kid, losing your breath, and now teaching people about the breath. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's all connected with mindfulness, correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, when I was about 16 years old, uh, you know, about, what is it, 10 or 11 years ago from today, I, I grew up Jewish, and I had a Passover Seder, which is a Passover meal. And at the and, and at my table, I saw this man, and I had no idea who he was, but he was uh, a family friend of a friend, and he was at my table. And I saw in his hand, he had a Lakers championship ring. Mm-hmm. I go, who the hell is this guy? Who the heck is this guy? And I asked him, why, why do you have a Lakers championship ring on? Uh, and he said that. Oh, I teach mindfulness to the Los Angeles Lakers. I go, really? Uh, wow. What's your name? He said his name is George Mumford. Uh, he said I'm a sports psychologist for Boston College, and uh, I taught Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Phil Jackson, all that, what they know, and I was fascinated. And, and, and I searched him, and there's a coach you know, by the name of Phil Jackson who he really taught. And you know, Phil, if you know sports, he would go with Sage into the locker rooms, and you'd run – you know, meditation workshops and to have basketball practices without using a basketball. Mm-hmm. So, and he really tapped into a lot of Kipling's work, you know, in terms of this book called The Jungle, where, you know, he tried to establish tele- tele- telepathic communication uh, between his uh, players. And a lot of why he succeeded was he was able to transcend ego into uh, being one unit, one force, one team. Uh, from Very using cool. a lot of his, uh, Native American background and really. Uh, having George uh, as a consultant for his, his work, but it was all purposeful. And ever since then, I've been hooked on Phil Jackson's work, and uh, I've listened to George, and uh, he, he's a you know friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was all purposeful and meaningful. And you know, George gives talks on mindfulness, and that that's his focus at work. And I said, wow, this guy could do it. You know, who can, who am I not to? So. And ever since then, I've been on a great search to what is mindfulness and how does that help you? And, you know, 
much like George did with the Lakers, mindfulness really allows you to be in, you know, its goal of mindfulness actually is to be in an altruistic state. You know, it's why, you know, before Phil came in, you had uh, Doug Collins and the Bulls were constantly, you know, getting beat by the Detroit Pistons and weren't getting able to get over the hump. And I think once Phil came in, you know, Michael was able to transcend ego and to form, you know, an altruistic state of the team and get out of himself and to really be more involved in the team. And I think that's, you know, why Phil Jackson won 11 championships, if you know sports, uh, because he was able to really work with the powerhouse egos and able to get them to be involved in team and unity and to work in synchronicity, synchronicity and harmony and have an edge over other coaches that didn't really incorporate that who struggled to coach superstars. Um, you know, so uh, for me, mindfulness is when I, when I do give a workshop, I always uh, ask people what they feel, what uh, the polarity of mindfulness is, what, what is mindless. What is mindlessness? You know, when, when you're not mindful, what does that mean to you? And I think people say, okay, I'll be thinking about something that happened yesterday or something that's going to happen in the future and I'm not present. Mm -hmm. And the mindfulness is simply finding ways to be present. Um, you know, when people think of mindfulness, they think of just sitting uh, in, in the Himalayas and meditating. But, right. you know, mindfulness is a 24-7 hour job that you could do at any moment. It really allows you to form uh, an awareness, a greater awareness of how you're holding your energy, how you're viewing things, uh, how you're seeing things. And it's a great way to develop a mind-body deeper connection to where you're a lot more composed, a lot more relaxed, and a lot more present in your everyday life. And you're coming from a place of not habitual existence, but rather from creation uh, and really ex you know, experiencing life you know, versus being a product of what happened in the past and getting yourself off that hamster wheel. And a lot of it is where, you know, I work from, from, you know, stimuli response where you know, things will happen in your life, you know, something outside of yourself will happen. And the bigger the gap that you have between the stimuli and the response, you know, that's being more mindful. It's understanding, okay, I have my reaction. What is that? How does that happen? What do I do? And, um, you know, it's terrific. So, so my workshops, I talk a bit about mindfulness more, extensively um you know to, to sure. the crowd and then we do a lot of mindful techniques that help people to tune into their body into the breath into the moment to the space you know so we could do something as simple as walking around the room barefoot where you're focused on uh, the bottom of your feet and you're looking down you really are tuning into your body into your feet uh and you know we do a lot of uh breath work uh where people just stare at an object or something like that mm -hmm. and being present and uh you know people often say that they've taken a vacation from themselves and that's the goal you know mindfulness's goal is for you to tune into yourself and let go of a lot of fears or anxiety or separation that connects you to you and that will allow you to take a lot of the veil of separation between you and your environment so you know that's why many people come out feeling very in tuned and almost like floating where they're very you know in harmony with with the environment and they've taken a vacation from uh, a lot of the struggles that have that have separated them from that great feeling. Wow, I love it. I, I think great. I think of that hamster wheel, and it's so easy as a human being to be on it and tied into the ego. And you know, if we could just yeah. record or write down everything our brain thinks, I mean, it's exhausting. It's all over the place, and right. um, it, it takes up so much time. And to stop the wheel. Uh, whether it's paying attention to the breath or paying attention to the carpet under your feet or whatever that may be to get you in the present moment. Um, mm -hmm. What a gift. So thank you for yeah. doing that. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I think if people want peak performance, 
they have to learn how to manage the brain and they have to have intelligence mm -hmm. as to how to really work it. You know, I think, you know, we live in a physical society, so people are obsessed and fascinated with perfecting the body, but something that's not seen, you know, really, you know, the brain, which can be scanned and, uh, stuff like that, but people don't you know, physically see it. So it's hard for them to see, okay, you know, what are the impacts? But, you know, but mindfulness really allows you to clear a lot of stress and tension that's held within the brain, you know, so that you're able to be a lot more cognitively balanced and able to have more of a balance between the, between the brainwave states that you experience throughout your day. I mean, plenty of people who are stressed, they go through, you know, the first or second, you know, stage, you know, the brainwaves very quickly, but this allows you to get into a lot deeper, the brainwave states, you know, so that you're more relaxed, you're more composed, and you have a lot more uh, potential within your brain. Uh, between your memory, between your focus, between your ability to retain in, uh, information, levels of self-confidence, uh, you know, knowing what to say, what to do, how to act. You know, I think it's all uh, impacted by, you know, accessing the brain's potential, which is something that I devoted my life to from seeing it as a young kid. I think sure. we try to understand the brain with the brain, and that's unfortunate because it, that's almost as if you're trying to understand the hand with the hand. I think many times you have to use a lot of unseen forces yes. to, to see the unseen and understand the unseen. Uh, the unseen. Um, so, you know, that that's the uh, vantage point that I come from where I try to help people to really maximize their brain potentials and really uh, find a form of brain education where people able to see you know stress impacts on the brain and relaxation impacts on the brain and uh i think the more physical society we get you know the more scans that we can provide to people and stuff like that you know i think the better work that that this will have so that's where science is our biggest ally within the spiritual adventure mm. of uh, maximizing human human potential right so the book you're writing jake yeah. Is going to include these things, your near death experiences and um steps to help us be mindful and all what you're up to. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I look I look at uh, my near death experiences light at the end of the tunnel, but uh to me the mindfulness and the hypnosis and the Reiki it's it's almost as if, you know, I'm giving people the tools to to, to succeed within their everyday life to so the greatest potential. Uh, you know, so it's the practical kind of stuff. So, you know, my book will entail, you know, I try to keep suspense and surprise out there, but certainly of my course. book will, will, will entail that, you know, but, uh, you know, as a kid, I always was fascinated with going to a library and I would look at books almost as if I would look at life and I would see kind of dust on books and be so uh, frustrated that there was dust on books because, you know, once you open up a book, it's like a life that you have and it's giving life to life itself and the words right. that you have and, uh, the phrases that are in books and uh, the lessons, you know, we're all you know, very much living. So to me, it, you know, to have something tangible in a tangible society that we're trying to transcend into spiritual, uh, you know, it, it is is one of my biggest honors, and uh, it's going to come. And uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for 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 people to to get their hands on it. It's yeah. going to be terrific. Well, I'll certainly do uh, my part in sharing it, um, connecting it to this uh, episode when, when you do have it published. I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Let me just ask, I know you offer uh, Reiki to people. Is that something that needs, you need to be hands-on, see you face-to-face? -face? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have, I do Reiki, I do hypnosis. So, you know, on yeah. my website, there's a contact button. And if you're interested, you know, just push the contact button and send me a message. And that's how I kind of do uh, sessions. So, uh, you know, for those who are called to, I definitely offer that. And, you know, for those also interested in having me, you know, present, uh, 
you know, a workshop or a talk. I'm also available for that for, for a lot of the stuff that I do. You know, I'm going to be presenting. I know you mentioned that you're going to be in Scottsdale, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I'd love, to, I'd love to talk to you about that. But sure. in August, I'm going to be presenting at the International Association Association for Near-Death Studies up in Colorado. That's going to be in August. So, oh, excellent. Uh, that's pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to that. That's where you know, a lot of people began their career who... You know, took it to the next level. So I'm ecstatic. I, was, I just found out a couple of weeks ago. So Oh, congratulations. Yeah, cool. yeah and for yeah, our listener, you. if you're in Colorado or want to go, in, yeah. uh, um, I will, you'll, you'll see it. If you're listening on YouTube, scroll down yeah. below and there's a link to that conference. And if you go yeah. to my website, wedontdieradio.com, click on episode 147. There's also a link to that. And once again, your website is jacobstory.com. That's right. Right now, yes, yes, you got it. What if someone here, Jacob, uh, just thinks you're a great guy and has having some questions about their spirituality? I think I I read somewhere that you do some spiritual counseling. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you know, people can you know feel free to shoot me any kinds mm-hmm. of emails. I, I'm usually pretty responsive to, to emails. Okay. Um, so you know, if you have questions on. Uh, you know, experiences or someone who, who may have had a near death experience and want to just maximize mm-hmm. their toolbox, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, you, you could click the contact button and I'm always available, uh, you know, when, when I get a chance. So I'm usually, that's one of the things that I take pride in is my responsiveness to, to people who come my way. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, because you know, there's I, a contact I, button, and you could email me through that. Yeah, yeah I know uh, with some of our guests, you know, some people just really resonate with people, and it's like, you know, what I want to find out more about this guy. I want to pick his brain, or yeah. want to whatever. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be in New hey, York. Yeah. I want to try this Reiki. You know, whatever that is. So I always mm-hmm. like to make the connection. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Our, our time is coming to an end, but is there any question I should have asked you, or anything you want to share that? Um, Maybe we haven't so far, or anything you just want to leave the audience with. I forgot one of my lines, which was, you know, I think people need to see the movie Hook to, I don't know if you've ever seen it, to kind of know what what, what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because, you know, that movie is, is so uh, symbolic of what many near-death experience uh, survivors have, which is, you know, you, you have this normal living life and then you're taken off that, mm-hmm. that wheel through uh, a near death experience, which is kind of like a shakeup. And that's, you know, shakeups is the only way for people to really uh, awaken in many regards because we're just taking on this normal day trend and it's very hard for us to, to see things differently, but mm-hmm. shakeups almost force us to, to view it in a different lens. But, uh, you know, Robin was living a regular human life and then all of a sudden he was, you know, suddenly reminded of, this ancient magical past that he had in Neverland. And, right. Um, that's the closest thing that I could compare it to, you know, and then once he had that, he's able to take that with him and his, you know, within the life. But I think as people, we you know, have this rich past, but we oftentimes just walk forward and forget about it. And for us to be truly hybrid fused beings, we have to remember our past. We have to go forward and remember where we're going to. Uh, so um, it's, it's fascinating for people watching. Feel free to view my webpage. I was just featured on, a cable television show a couple of days ago that's going to be posted on the site. So oh, you can check that out. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. So I do, I do TV work as well too. Uh, but you know, if anyone's interested, I have an open door policy and uh, would love to chat with anyone who, who's listening. And it's, it's quite an honor to form, you know, a team and, you know, a group and that's why I'm here. So for those who are called, I'm always available and, you know, thank you so much for, for having me on and, 
uh, I hope to talk with you, you know, shortly. And I know we'll 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 be in touch. We're uh, very in very similar necks of the woods here. So, uh, you know, it's a community that we're trying to get bigger. But uh, you know, I, I know that uh, for right now we're 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 in this together. So. Uh, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I know we touched on a lot of significant areas. Mm-hmm. Lot Sandra, so I, I appreciate it. Yo, you're so welcome. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you who's listening right now. I mean, not there's not a single one of us that can um, bridge this gap alone. And I think joined arm in arm with all of our different experiences uh, to really get the word out that we are so much more than we think we are. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. so much more than our brains and our egos. There's so many things possible and it's all to live just a great life. Live, live, learn, serve, make a difference, share, you know, love, forgive all those great things. So if we can be part of that and make a difference, it's, it's awesome. So in closing, yeah, thank you, Jake, for being here. Uh, Reminder, you can go to Jake, Jacob's website at jacobstory.com or simply go to we don't die radio.com click on episode 147 um, and also you know while you're at we don't die radio.com feel free to join the insiders club there's just a button it doesn't cost a thing and I don't send you spam or anything like that but you'll get a free copy of my book we don't die as well as a very healing audio called how to survive grief i know many people listening right now have tuned into the show because you have lost a loved one and i think my biggest gift over anything is to help people through grief and understand it and move to the other side and jake was sharing about mindfulness and that's definitely a part of it So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. 